And the, the goal at the end of our day isn't that a parent gets it right and learns and memorizes the script. It's that they learn to evaluate what's going on, not based on whether the kid is doing what they want them to, which is, you know, that just makes any wonderful script be nothing more than a trick or technique to behavior manage or control. And not interested in that. We're interested in parents whose primary objective is to deliver the gospel of grace and truth to their kids by way of the messages they're attentive to when they interact with their kids, especially in challenges. So there's no, there's no, like, like when we do these role plays, you may want to say the very thing that you just said, like, well, what if my kid says the opposite thing? And it's like, well, then, okay, let's play that. And, and, and I mean, our, our goal isn't to get the kid not to say that. That's, that's what we tend to think the goal is. But our goal is, is to learn to respond to whatever they say with, with some grace. And if we blow it, then to know it and know what to do then. <laughs> You're listening to episode 80 of the God Center Mom podcast, and this is part one of my interview with Jim and Lynn Jackson of ConnectedFamilies.org, and I invited them on because I just really loved everything they were writing about, and this desire I have to connect with my boys a little better. They have these four actions, four messages. Today, we're going to narrow in on the first two actions and messages, the foundation and the message that you are safe, and the connect level telling our children they are loved. There's some great biblical insight that Jim and Lynn share. You're going to enjoy it. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Jim and Lynn, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Uh, Thank you. We're glad to be with you (laughs) by virtue of podcast and internet technology. The Skype internet connection. And y'all, I am interviewing two people. This is a first for me. So, uh, we may talk over each other, but I think it'll be fun. It'll be fun. You can do it, Heather. We can do this. So, okay, introduce everyone who's listening. Introduce them to um, your family and how y'all got started doing what you're doing. Well, we have three kids, and they really trained us <laughs> in, some, in parenting kids with challenges. Uh, right now, they're in their 20s, so they've survived our parenting. Um, but they were close together in age. They had a lot of kind of ADHD, sensory sensitivity genetics. They were kind of off the wall and um, really stressed us a lot. So their names are Daniel, Bethany, and Noah. Okay. So you had a couple and, boys in there and a girl. Okay. Yep. Daniel's our oldest. He, uh, we affectionately call him our experimental child. Yeah. Right. The and honestly. Honestly, we're still, you know, learning that there would have been, we, we wish we could have some do-overs around mm-hmm. that whole thing with yeah. him, but God's grace is prevailing and that's cool. Um, and then Bethany, our middle child, is uh, a ball full of energy and very, very sensitive and, and bright and uh, didn't like, like if the toilet seat wasn't 78.4 degrees, that was a big problem yeah. for her. Okay. And then our youngest son, Noah, what would you say about him, Lynn? Oh, my gosh. Mover and a shaker. Paces when he does anything. He stops <laughs> moving, he falls asleep. And that is, you know, so he just keeps moving. <laughs> so going or stopped. Yeah, we, we've we got that. Okay, I get that. Yes. Wow. Okay, so, but you both, y- y'all um, have been doing this parent training thing. You started Connected Families. How long ago? We started Connected Families in 2002 okay. on, the heels, on the heels of 12 years of work in the trenches with high-risk teens in a, in a, in a parachurch ministry organization 
where we started working with parents there. Okay. And uh, it turns out our work was real effective in working with parents and helping them to get a different lens on for dealing with the troubles of the teen years. But what we also found was that more and more of the parents uh, coming to us uh, in, in, a, in a ministry that was really targeting unchurched people were coming from the church because the church just didn't have resources for them that, that, that were truly helpful. So we just felt like we wanted to, to, to really target in partnership with the church to equip parents and to start younger. So we did that in 2002. We started Connected Families out of our den in Chaska, Minnesota, and uh, over the years have grown to uh, a ministry that has a national reach, and we used to reach hundreds, and now it's tens of thousands, and and, uh, we're still sitting in our den right now, actually. (laughs) We've also got office space in a couple of places and uh, a, a number of folks on our staff that help us do the work. So Jim brought his experience of um, working with in the trenches in relationship with at-risk teens, and I brought my experience of working with children with sensory and behavioral challenges. Okay. And so we just have a real niche for parents of struggling kids in all forms, and it's it's very grace-based, and boy, that's what they need when they struggle. Wow. I love everything you're saying, and I, I've, it's interesting. Our children's pastor, he has a background of working with at-risk teens, and then he went younger, and he went younger, and then he moved to parents. I think, you know, you kind of see, oh, wow, we could we could get this nipped a little bit earlier, maybe. Yeah, get upstream. <laughs> take some of the ideas that we learn about how to deal with the trouble that, that happens oftentimes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and hopefully do some work to prevent at least some of that trouble. Uh, and so that's, yeah, that's what we've been doing now for for the last 13 years, we've written a couple of books and uh, um, do everything that we can to coach parents, deliver workshops to parents, uh, work in partnership with churches to put paradigms in place that are really more oriented toward equipping parents to disciple their own kids, not not just with tools and programs, yeah. but by the very nature of relationship that the parents conduct with their kids. And that, I really love that when I went to your site, just really thinking about um, that that relationship because I haven't seen it. I see it in our own home when I go into a mode where I'm trying to implement some new book idea that I've found or some new trick that I found that I get frustrated because it doesn't work out the way I thought it would. And then I give up and it's back to ground zero and everyone's frustrated and yelling. And um, so when I saw on your site, your uh, four actions, four messages, Man, I just loved it. I, I, I was actually away at a ranch with extended family, and I just kept bringing it up in every conversation um, <laughs> because there was, you know, we're going to go into it now, you know, now. But it made me feel like, okay, there's a lot that I'm doing right here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of layers that, that are going well for us. And um, it was encouraging as a mom to not beat myself up while I'm failing overall because the, this behavior is present. But um, I think I think it's encouraging the message you're giving. And so can we talk about a little bit about? Yeah. So even as you're talking, I'm thinking a couple of things that, okay. that are foundational. And then I'll, I'll talk for just a minute and then kind of let Lynn give a quick overview of, of really four ideas that capsulize everything that we do. Everything we do cascades through this little picture of ideas that we'll share. But as you were talking, Heather, um, you know, a couple of things just st- strikes, uh, stood out uh, based on what we're hoping to do with parents. You said that, that what we do encourages parents um, rather than making them feel like they can't do the formula right. Yeah. And, 
And I mean, that's where we started too. We started with, with uh, as, as parents of young kids, we wanted to get it right. And we went to the resources and there was all kinds of resources that, you know, that, that told us about the importance of passing our faith, but then went right to how to deal with kids' misbehavior in order to get them to obey. Mm. Like that's the, that's the main goal of parenting as we sort of read it and distilled it from all the different resources. And if you've got a strong-willed child, you got to get them to obey. You got to break their will. And if you've got kids that are out of control in different places, you know, you got to demand obedience and you got to be the parent and it's got to be the first time. And all of this focus was on getting kids to obey. And, and yet there was this big picture thing like, that tapped into our hearts. So the introduction of almost every one of these books was like, yeah, we want kids who will embrace faith and know Jesus and have compassion for the world. And we had these great big picture desires for our kids. But then right away, these books would tend to go into sort of behavior management programs, yeah. how to get our kids to behave so that when they learn to obey, then they can embrace God's heart. And that just left us feeling discouraged. Like we couldn't get it right. We never did. And, and we'd follow the method and it wouldn't go the way the book said it should. And then we felt defective and discouraged as parents. Yeah. And uh, we, we kind of figured out early on. And then as we started working with other people's kids and their parents, um, that there was this, this overarching, especially in the church, for, for, the, for the parents who had big challenges that the, the typical things didn't work for, there was this overarching discouragement. Mm. Mm. And well, we want to encourage people, and by encourage, it's not, you know, nag them or 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 give them the right formula, but fill them with courage to be a different sort of a parent. And the different sort of a parent is a parent who, who's, who admits right out loud, I can't get this right. Mm. And honestly, by by being able to say that and say that I'm dependent on Jesus and I'm going to blow it, and we say that to ourselves and we say it to our kids, we we create a foundation of grace for ourselves right away. But here's what I'm moving toward. I'm moving toward not getting you to behave right, but helping you to develop and grow in wisdom centered on belief in who God is, who he made you to be, uh, who Jesus is, what it means to walk in repentance and under the umbrella of God's grace and truth. And so we move the focus away from behavior and onto belief mm. with the belief that even mom and dad we and I, you know, she and I can't get it right. And so we say that out loud to each other, which gives us grace for each other. <laughs> right. And then, and then we say it out loud to the kids, which gives them grace for us. And then it sets a tone for starting to move toward, well, what are these messages? What are, you know, like if, if I could be the parent I wanted to be, what kind of parent would I be? Not if I could have the kind of kid that I want to get, how would I get them? Mm -hmm. But if I could be the kind of parent that I want to be, how would I be that parent? And that's where this framework comes from. Mm. Wow. Uh, try to help people visualize it here. If they happen to be by a computer, they can go to a, yeah. a website at connectedfamilies.org and the about up section will have a diagram. I can describe it. So you can picture a rectangle at the bottom of this diagram labeled foundation. And that's what's going on in me as a parent. And then we're going to unpack in just a little bit a triangle which represents the different kinds of effort or energy or relationship styles that I have with my child, but all that rests on this foundation of what's going on in me. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the primary message that we want to communicate to our kids out of our foundation, which really kind of what's going on in me emotionally and spiritually, um, the, the primary message we want to communicate to them is that they are safe with us. And that means we have to unpack our baggage mm. as parents. <laughs> and really understand it and own our part of the misbehavior when we have a brouhaha with our kids. 
Um, and it also means we have to really look at calming ourselves down in the heat of the moment so that we're safe. Mm. So unpacking the baggage part, that's kind of a, a, a spiritual journey for parents. And I really experienced that with our oldest son, Daniel, who was so intense. Um, and when I was a discouraged mom, I just had this recurring belief that was, I'm an angry mom raising an angry child. And when he gets to be a teenager, it's going to be horrible. Mm. Just was, that was in my brain a lot, especially when we conflicted. And so the Lord convicted Ephesians 15, we're talking about speaking truth and love. God speaking the truth and love to yourself about you and Daniel. So I really had to examine that and bring it to him and reshape those beliefs so that I wasn't throwing my baggage at him every time we interacted. And so I could embrace a belief eventually that was, I'm an intense mom raising an intense child and we butt heads, but we love each other. So that shifted everything in my relationship with him and, and just made it so much easier to really parent for his good and not parent out of my anxiety anger and fear. So that's that first big step of So if a mom's listening and she feels the same way, the anger, she's believing the lies, she has anxiety, she's parenting out of fear, what resources does she have to change that, to get that foundation right, to create a safe place? Well, we actually have a DVD on our website called Peaceful Mothering, and it really dives into that how can I speak the truth and love to myself topic. And it's about an hour long and just really helps moms to get a handle on that. So that's one thing. We have a lot of stuff on our website if just searching under foundation. Yeah, but if you don't want to go to our website and buy stuff, you know, I think that just this idea, like what Lynn talked about, she had this tape playing. We talk, we ask parents all the time to say out loud, like what are the recurring thoughts that you have? Mm. And then... And then, and then literally just take those to the Lord. Am I speaking truth to myself or am I not? Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm the dad, so, so I should be respected. Uh, I shouldn't have to go through this. Uh, this kid is driving me crazy. This kid is a train wreck. This kid is driving me crazy. We say these things either in our mind or even like as parents, we say them to our friends or we say them to our, our spouses. And, and, and um, you know, to just start learning to listen to the things that are coming out of us about our kids, whether it's a, a thought or a statement we make to somebody else, or sometimes even something that we say to our kid, you are just a pain in my neck. Mm. Well, if I said that out loud, then that was in me out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And it's my job to say, oh, Lord, am I saying truth about my child, about myself? And to take so, you know, the Bible says, like Corinthians ten five, take every thought captive to Christ's obedience. You know, we've got a great opportunity by paying attention to these things that we repeat over and over again to ourselves or say out loud to friends or even to our kids. We have a great opportunity to, to say, ask the question, is that from you, Lord, or is that from someplace else? Mm. And if it's from someplace else, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Satan's job is to kill and steal and destroy. And those statements, we, you know, if we're not saying out loud what they are, are they either truth or are they lies? And if they're lies, then take them captive to Christ's obedience, confess them to God, confess them to our kids, and let God's grace wash over us. We need God's mm-hmm. grace to displace that stuff. So I'm just a failure as a parent. I just can't get this. I mean, those are okay. So is that true or is that false? Mm. Um, well, that's false. So what's the truth? What would God say to you in a moment of despair? 
you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Do we sit in places and let God wash that over us with, with truth? Not because we behave right, but because we're going after him and we're seeking him and we receive yeah. Christ as our Lord and Savior and, and, and want by faith to claim the identity that is ours in Christ to then pour out into our relationships with other people. And this is where the generational effects take place, right? Whatever your tape is that you're playing, whatever words that you're saying may have been spoken over you by a parent and then they were spoken over them by a parent. And it's something that it's hard to break the tape, the words, the feeling, the I'm not enough, the I need approval, I need you to behave so that people think I'm a good mom those because I need to get an A plus because I needed to get an A plus from my parent, you know, that that cycle of sin that comes from the generation of parenting, uh, whatever it was, even if you were in a Christian home, you could have had yeah. things spoken over you. You need to be this way to get approval is a lie. You're, yeah. you're pre approved yeah. by God. They're just shame-based and shame and fear-based judgments that we have in our hearts about ourselves and our kids, and they pour out mostly in our non-verbals, some in our in our verbal communication. But these are the messages that our kids get from which they form identity, and then those become their inner tapes, and that's how that passes down through the generations. So it's such a holy work to bring God's grace and truth into these disciplined situations. That's way more. Um, impactful on our kids than the best Sunday school lesson or some platitude that we share during, you know, family devotions. Or, or, or some parenting book. I think what I'm hearing from y'all is if y'all are, if there's trouble in the home, spend time in your small group or you have a Bible study or just with your spouse one-on-one time in the word, you really need to get to the roots and the core issues of what is coming, bubbling up out of your heart and out of your mouth, Right. And I might even say that a little different. I mean, I think, yes, we ought to get to it. But the truth is, we get to it, but then we turn it away. So mm. those things, that those thoughts that we think, we don't like them. So the thought that is, you know, I just, I just never measure up. And so I'm going to go to a Bible study, and I'm going to memorize some more scripture, and I'm going to get involved in church, and I'm going to do more things, and I'm going to try harder. Um you know, the message is right there. The, the, the struggle is right there. I don't like how it feels. And so I race to some sort of performance-based way of covering it up instead of simply saying out loud, boy, I keep saying this thing over and over again. And maybe there's a stronghold in my life that I ought to look at here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's and, then, and then who are the safe people I can look at it with? Because, you know, one of the tricky things about the church is we're all well-intended but we go so quickly with each other, just like we tend to go with our kids toward fixing behavior. So I go to a Bible study and I say, really studying with discouragement lately. And, and I mean, I, I did, as a young dad, I did this. I went to my men's groups and I said, I'm really struggling with discourage lately. Mm. And then the men in my group would say, well, how's your quiet time? Mm, they just leave more, more things you uh, need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you praying? Are you, are you, are you following the program for getting past this? And at first I would be like, oh, I'll go, okay, I'll try harder. So I'll be accountable to do this formula that you just gave me, hoping that next week I can come and feel like I was a success only. <laughs> I mean, here's where it gets really tricky. And then I, I wouldn't cause I never measure up cause I don't cause I can't cause that's why Jesus came. Right. Right. But, but I'm thinking somehow that I can get 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 to it on my own, but then I fail and I feel icky about going to my group week after week. And so then when they ask me this week to check in and say, how was your week this week? I say, 
I was all right. You, you pull back. The, you become less authentic. I, I become less authentic, yeah. but not only that, I lie. You lie. <laughs> <laughs> and then I reinforce, yeah. in the name of being an accountability group, I reinforce the shame that is binding me. Yeah. Breaking the cycle of shame starts with saying out loud that I have believed lies all my life, Lord. Mm. I still, you know, Lynn and I, we've been working on this stuff for 20 plus years, thinking about this. I still tend to go to a default of believing lies if I'm not diligent and disciplined to say out loud, what are the lie? What are the things I'm thinking recurrently? Are they true or are they not? And Lord, help me in my unbelief yeah. <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to move toward you and to, to receive from you all you have to give uh, and, and to quit trying to manufacture it and make it happen in my own strength. You know, a few months ago, I found Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Have you ever heard of her? She is a neurologist who's also a believer, and she's proving the Bible and comparing it with neurology, like the things that the Bible says, taking thoughts captive, um, replacing lies with truth. She's seeing it happen in brains where you can like actually, you know, she's, she has she has this 21-day, 31-day something brain detox. And in each day you're like reviewing your thoughts. She says you can remember five to seven thoughts from the previous day. You're um, pick, choosing one negative one, narrowing in on it after you've spent some time in prayer. And and you're finding what your new thought's going to be. And you're rewiring your brain by every time that thought starts to pop up, stopping it, stopping that neuro, neurological path and oh. growing a new neurological path. Yeah. And it's Gross. amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it, it was really great because – your brain is thinking thoughts all the time. Yeah. It is a total active house of possible lies. Right. So, um, yeah, I do think this, what you're saying, this foundation, this is huge for well, every parent out there. Huge. One, one final thought to add to that is that what you're talking about, this process of, of taking our thoughts, our recurrent thoughts, the, the six or seven that I had just yesterday before the Lord weighing them against the truth of the word. That, I think, is the discipline that we're told of in Hebrews chapter 12 that is painful. Mm. Parents tend to use that section as a parenting verse, you know, like, okay, I need to inflict pain on my child Uh. so that they learn about discipline. And that verse wasn't written about parenting. Mm. That verse was written about the difficult, painful work of, of discipline to yielding our will to the will of the Father yielding our thoughts to the mind of God. Mm. Uh, and, and, and it's difficult and it's painful. And until we do it, we can never expect by some simple formula to help our kids understand what the discipline of the Lord is really all about. And that's what growing a strong foundation for parenting really is. That's so good. Yeah, we just were with, at a, a gathering with a dad on Sunday and he shared how he, you know, he was learning the techniques. He was learning some of the practical (laughs) stuff that we teach parents and it just wasn't working. And then he had this real heart transformation towards his son and that he just really embraced who this struggling kid was and um, began to see himself as a dad who was learning and growing instead of a dad who just can't control his kids. And everything began to change. We could see a visible difference in both the dad and the son from the last time that we'd seen them. Yeah, dad quit disciplining the child and started disciplining himself. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Anyway, we should move on to our next. Oh yeah, but I just really think that's so core. 
I mean, yeah. why? that's why you call it foundation, I guess, huh? Right. Exactly. <laughs> in the heat of the moment, it shows up in lots of practical ways to just slow ourselves down, buy some time, you know, stop that intimidating posture, listen to the Lord, listen to our kids, that kind of a thing. We go into a lot of detail in our, that on our blogs. Um, but, uh, you know, that sort of brings that grace and truth alive in the heat of the moment that we've been developing in our spirits um, in the big picture of our relationship with the Lord. So when we can um, bring that calm and that grace-filled perspective to discipline challenge, then we can relate to our kids in, in with sort of three ways of relating to them that are all really essential ingredients in how God relates to us as well. And the first one, so now we're on this triangle section that rests on the foundation, and the first level, or you can say almost a story yeah. in this A-frame building, is um, connect. And that's where we give our kids the message, you are loved, you, you are enjoyed, and I love you no matter what. That is not up for grabs. And that's just such a key message. This is where the gospel comes alive in discipline, you know, because Romans 5.8 tells us God demonstrates his love toward us while we were still sinners. Not while we had our act together, but while we were misbehaving, Christ died for us. And it's also an example of Romans 2.4 where God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. So there's lots of examples of ways that you can do that in disciplined situations when your child is struggling. Um, you know, just stopping and even smiling at them, offering a hug, getting down on their level. Um, you know, when it's all crazy, instead of coming in with the big energy of, all right, you guys, stop it here, stop it. And wow, it's really crazy here, isn't it? Anybody want a hug? You know, that kind of big connective energy. So there's lots of things that we can do in that um, principle that really connects with our child's heart and can sometimes bring repentance right in that moment. We've just had some wonderful stories from parents where, you know, when they express to their child, you know, you really misbehaved here, but I love you no matter what child bursts into tears because they really had no idea. Parents think kids get this message for them, from them, but they really, they really don't get it. No, yeah. Well, we think, you know, we do so much for them. We think about yeah. them. We care about their safety. That's love. But in so many of our day in, day out messages, it's not loving, right? It's not right. saying we, the words, I love you. We talk, we talk to parents you know, almost every day, coaching them, discussing issues with them that are spurred by our workshops or our, our website. And, you know, we, we almost always have parents say, how could my kid not know that I love them? Mm. Of course they know. And, and of course, then our response is, well, what, what would they say if we ask them? And a lot of kids will say, yeah, my, my mommy and daddy love me, but they don't like me very much. Wow. And, and for us, at the core of love is like. Uh, it, it's not just this unconditional love of parent to child, but it's also, I'm going to work to enjoy you. I'm going to work to discover you. I'm going to work to affirm you. I'm going to work to empathize with you, to understand you, so that you know that I am with you, uh, not against you in your challenge, in your struggle. Okay, let's say um, of someone listening is at a place where they do not enjoy their family, they don't feel connected maybe even with one particular child in the family, uh, they have a pattern of disconnect, a pattern of, I feel like sometimes I get in these modes with my kids too where 
Um, we almost have a script that we don't realize we're saying, but it's the same thing. Like they do that. I say this, then they say that, then I do this. And it's like a habit has formed in our interactions. Yeah. And that's the key word you just said, habit. How do we break it? How do we start over? How do we connect? Well, of course, the first thing you got to do to break a habit is to know that you got a habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a hard one for parents because they feel justified in their habit. Yeah. But this kid never listens. They never obey. They don't do what I ask them to do. And what do you expect me to do? I, I, I tell them this. I tell them that. I tell them this. And they still disobey. Yeah. So, you know, in, 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 in the micro of what that parent just said was, I'm practicing bad habits with my kids that lead us to this outcome every time. Mm. So we suggest, we say, you know, number one, it's normal for us to get in these habits. It's, it's normal to do what we got taught to do and then to find it, um, especially in this day and age with all the different influences on our kids, um, more difficult to see fruit from, uh, from using those sorts of habits. And so, you know, for us, the question is, well, at what point does that habit you know, what point in that progression do you recognize that habit is going to lead you inevitably to this outcome? Mm. And what would you like to do different? If if you could just sort of take all of your difficult emotion out of it, all of your your self-hatred, your, your dislike of your child, your predicting in your mind, so you've got a judgment, it's going to go bad before you even start. You know, at what point in the process would you like to start your do-over and do it differently? Mm. And, and, you know, for every parent, that, that answer is different. But, you know, some parents break the habit by saying to themselves, I'm going to let go of my need to have that kid get their homework done by nine o'clock. If they don't get their homework done by nine o'clock, that's their problem, not mine. I'm going to love them anyway and just identify and empathize with the trouble or, or the, the negative consequence that's going to happen because their homework's not done. But I'm going to posture myself gracefully toward my child at all costs rather than in a controlling sort of a way. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I want to comment too on that because I really struggled with my attitudes and emotions towards my oldest son, Daniel, who was so challenging. Um, And it really took, you know, this framework actually helped me a lot because I knew, okay, we, in our family, we drive a stake in the ground around connection. And when I, when we can feel it eroding, we're going to be committed to go back and strengthen that. And Mm -hmm. we talked about that as a family. We committed to it. I would, like there was one day that I, was uh, had a really hard time with Daniel. He was picking on Bethany. I was picking on him to stop picking on Bethany. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I just thought, oh, we've had such a hard day. I should connect with him. And he was in the bathtub covered with bubbles. And so I went in there. I just opened the door, said nothing, got down on his level, looked in his face, and just smiled at him, looked in his eyes. And he goes, what you doing? I said, I just love looking at you. He goes, oh, and then I left. It was so short, but it flowed from my passion to connect with him um, and then uh, just following through on that. And I noticed at the end of the night, he was incredibly kind to Bethany all night. I was shocked. I'm like, what happened to Daniel? And he went, oh, I filled his love bucket with a 20-second grin and a look in his eyes with delight. And so, you know, that was just an example of my commitment to do that. Because there were so many times when I was just like, oh, would someone take this kid for a while? Yeah. Yeah. Take the dog training or kid training and send them back, you know, (laughs) easy for me to discipline. So it was was a long-term commitment. To simplify what Lynn just said in answer to your question, what Lynn did in that process was she, A, before she got into trouble, Mm. 
in the discipline of her thinking, she named the kind of parent she wanted to be sourced by God's grace for her, mm -hmm. God's teaching for her, God's love for her. I would like to be a mom who connects better with my child when he struggles and not go right to lecture. Mm. So break the connect. I want to break the lecture habit with a habit of connection. That's the kind of mom I would like to be. Mm. So she named it in her private life. Then she said it out loud in her public life, both to her kids and to her spouse. This is the kind of parent I would like to be. I'm not going to be perfect at it, but when I'm not this parent, instead of lecturing me and telling me what a screw up I am, would you just help remind me and then give me some grace? Mm. And so even our young kids got in a pattern when we weren't the parents we said out loud we would like to be of saying, uh, was that how you wanted to be? <laughs> just like a simple we, little phrase, a reminder. Yeah. If, yeah. Just yeah. what kind of parent would you like to be? Have you, have you named it before the Lord? Have you let him, number one, grace you with this idea that having named it doesn't mean you're going to be it. It just means that's what, the, that's what the heart is that I've given you. But the sin that so easily entangles really does. So I'm going to journey with you, parent, with my grace. But I'm glad that you named it because now we can work with that. And you can say it out loud. You confess it to me, to your family. And then, and then, you know, then she, then she went in and because she had named it and said it out loud to family, and now it was natural for her to practice it with her son. And it, and it bore different fruit. Now he could easily have, have splashed in her face. Like kids sometimes, especially when this is all new, they're like, that's weird. That's new. What's that really all about? I'm used to controlling my mother by getting her to freak out at me. So I'm going to splash her in the face with suds. Yeah. When she, she loves me no matter what. And, you know, at that point, it's a different deal. But what kind of parent do you want to be? Have you said it? So when he does that, if he does that, uh, you know, to just be able to back away from that and say, oh, it looks like you didn't like hearing that just now. That's okay. You settle down. I'm going to leave. I'll come back and we'll try it again or we won't try it again. Yeah, I'd mentioned that at the beginning of, of the call. You know, let's say instead of lecturing, I've decided to ask questions. So if I see two boys fighting, instead of saying, stop fighting with the other, you know, treat each other special, blah, 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 and going into my lecture saying, you know, pointing to one and, you know, directing my voice to one and saying, now, would you like it if someone did that to you? Just, you know, getting their brain to work. And when they respond with, yeah, I'm like, I want to strangle you. That's not the response I was going for. That's not how this is supposed to go. Right. And, uh, and I could, you know, then go into a lecture of, you know, go back into my lectures. So I do like, I like that. What identity, what are you, what are, what is God calling you to again? Because we could want to be all the moms and God hasn't called us to be all the moms. I'm not going to be the creative mom and the athletic mom and the super engaging fun mom, all the moms, but he may be calling me and there may be an unsettlement in my spirit that I am not walking in the path that he has called me to. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like that a lot, and I hope you enjoyed everything Jim and Lynn had to share. I know for me, it was really eye-opening to think about, do my children feel safe? Uh, am I creating an environment where I'm not reacting constantly? Is my anger causing a disconnect between us to where I'm not even proactive or active in my correction, in my coaching? It really just opened my eyes on where I need to focus my attention and my relationship with my boys. Also, the connecting. We're headed off to family camp this week, and I am making it a number one goal of the week to have significant connection time with each of my boys and just laugh and have fun. Summer is a great time to connect with your kids. So I hope you are encouraged, not discouraged, by listening to their overall premise in parenting. I hope you can 
See, even in the next episode I'll release on Monday, see where you fit. Where where do you need um, God's guidance to lead you and how you can be the best mom he made you to be? Because you're listening to this podcast, you care and you want to do the best job God has given you. And um, I just wanted to take a second. I haven't done a shout out to all y'all who leave great reviews on iTunes. And I don't even remember, to be honest, where I left off. So I'm going to start with AW0703. Thank you for leaving a review. And I'm so glad you don't think it's fluffy. I try hard to get guests who reveal truth. Thank you to To Him Be the Glory. I love that you're listening at the kitchen sink. And when you heard that line at the end of the podcast that you uh, were really struck by that. Thank you, CJB Neal. Uh, I am so, uh, you know, amazed how God through the internet can bring podcasts to people at just the right time. Mama Keeping Faith, thank you. Beckron One, MCC and The, thank you for your review. Jenny in Texas, hey, fellow Texas mama. Uh, It is hard to raise children today, and I think we all need to lift each other up and speak to each other's souls and recognize that. God is the only one who can fill that hole. He is the one who can give us strength. So I pray for you today that you are encouraged. Medium BC, I'm so glad you enjoyed the episode with Bill Hyde. And uh, Holly W1004, you also enjoyed the episode with Bill. I hope you've checked out those CDs, the uh, historical CDs that he talked about. And um, I just thank y'all for leaving reviews. I'll tell you, uh, I don't pay attention much to stats, but a friend of mine, Kat Lee from the Inspired Action Podcast, she let me know that the God Center Mom podcast made it into the top kids and family, uh, you know, whatever that's called, rankings. (laughs) I don't even know. But she was just, you know, it was, I think, like 280. So we're not talking like a number one here. But People scroll through those, and if they can find godly, truth-filled encouragement to help them be better moms, I'm all for that. So thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for leaving reviews. That just helps get the word out and helps encourage more people all over the world. I'm amazed, people that contact me from countries on the other side of this planet. So thank you for what you're doing to help make this ministry possible. I appreciate you greatly. And thanks for listening today. Stay tuned next week for part two of the interview with Jim and Lynn. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.